Brian McClanahan Show, episode 304. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You'll find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. When you do enroll, you get a free course, 10 Myths of American History. And, of course, those that do enroll, free of charge, do get the best deals on forthcoming courses and typically the best coupons as well when I have sales. And I've got nine courses available for purchase. My most recent, The American Presidents. And, of course, this is going to play right into this podcast. So you're going to want that course. It's awesome. To look at all 45 men who have been president in what is now the United States. That should be a hint that one of them was not a president under the United States Constitution, but a president nevertheless. So I've got that. You can also go to uh, brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support to support the show. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You've got... Uh, uh, you can go to anchor.fm. You can support the show there. You can donate there. Uh, I also now uh, on my website, a lot of people complain they couldn't download the podcast any longer to their MP3 device. So now if you go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com, click on the post of that particular podcast, you can download the podcast from there. So you can do that now again. It, you couldn't do it for several of the episodes, but I've now made that possible. Uh, you can also support the show by going to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link to Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Great website. Lots of ways to support the show. Of course, share it on social media. Like it on Facebook, Twitter. Do all those things that um, you can do. And rate it wherever you get your podcasts, right? So if you this thing is available on all podcast platforms, rate it there. And do what you can to help the Think Locally, Act Locally message. So... Let's talk about that. We're thinking locally and acting locally. This whole coronavirus thing has made us think locally, act locally. We're now taking care of our families first, our household. We're not going out very much. We're doing all these things. I think people generally listen to recommendations. Hey, look, maybe we should social distance. Maybe we should try not to uh, do some things that can get us infected with this nasty virus. So I think people are doing those things. Of course, the question is, how long is this going to last? And how is it going to end? What is the end game in all of this? People, I think, are generally concerned about their health and the health of loved ones and others who they don't want to infect in case they did get sick. Uh, for many people, maybe you don't know anyone that has the virus. I do have a family member that has the virus, uh, extended family member, and um, hopefully, and I think she's going to make it through just fine, but um, it is a, a, a nasty virus. So um, it is um, something that, um, you know, we have to be concerned about, I think. Uh, but the question is, how do we 
go from this shutdown society, which we're in, social distancing, people don't want to be around each other at all. I mean, how do we go from there? How do we reopen things in America? And so uh, you have to respect this podcast. You have to respect my authority on this. At least that's what Donald Trump says with the presidency, because there is now some discussion among governors about reopening parts of society. In fact, I think what's come out of this in many ways is that what happened here is that we, we attacked an issue with a chainsaw rather than a scalpel. And of course, people that are most vulnerable are in a uh, you know, dangerous situation, but most Americans are not in that situation. And you go back to 2009 with the swine flu. And again, a personal situation with that. I had a friend of mine who was only 30 years old without any underlying conditions, die of swine flu in 2009. 30 years old. Went to the hospital, complaining of uh, problems, couldn't breathe, had a fever, never made it out. And uh, just a tragic situation. Of course, the entire economy wasn't shut down. We had people dying of swine flu all over the place. And I remember at that point you know, thinking, gosh, this is horrible. Uh, taking high doses of vitamin C and doing, because I work in a, in a very public environment, trying to avoid everything I could so that I didn't come up with this nasty virus. Uh, I had not been around this individual because some other things are going on. I hadn't been around him as much. I did work with him, but I hadn't been around him as much um, at that point because uh, of some some issues going on with, with uh, personal issues. But I was very lucky not to get it, and of course, a lot of people were lucky not to get it as well, but we didn't shut everything down. And I think one of the main reasons, before I get into that, is that we didn't shut everything down in 2009. We weren't in an election year. 2009, now if it was 2010, you might have seen a different response from the Obama administration. 2009, no election year. Obama was new in office. In fact, when this individual died, he had only been in office a little less than a year. So we're, we're, we have a new presidency. The new was there. Nobody was really nobody's going to blame Obama for a virus, but Trump has been blamed for everything. And so I think this is why Trump's response to this has been so authoritarian, so draconian, because he knows 2020 is an election year. If he didn't do anything, everyone would say that a million people died because of Donald Trump. So now what do we have? We have a complete 180 reaction. It's just like the Russia thing. Well, Russia was behind all of our... All of our uh, uh, Russia's behind Trump being elected, so what does he do? He becomes so bellicose with Russia that you think we're going to have World War III. See, Trump's reaction is based on the media and how they react to things. And this is where the media and Trump have had this transformational effect on the American presidency. Now, Trump is a symptom of the disease, and I'm going to get into some of the things that have been said here now with Trump and, and the governors and everything else. And that's, I mean, look, I had probably, I don't even know how many emails about this. you got to talk about this with Trump and the authoritarian situation. And it is, it is uh, troubling in what Trump has said about these things, without question. But you look at why he's reacting to these particular, uh, reacting to the virus the way he is, and I think it all has to do with 2020. I had another uh, friend of mine uh, text me and say, do you think Trump is being serious? And I think he is serious about this. Now, he's backtracked, but we'll, we'll get into all that in a minute. And I, look, my response was, look, the Republicans are the stupid party. They always have been the stupid party. They do what the Democrats do, but then they're, they uh, use rhetoric that will appeal to their base. The Democrats say what they mean, and then they do what they say. This is why the Republicans are so bad. 
I mean, they really are the stupid party. There's no, there, there are a few Republicans that actually do what they say they're going to do. And of course, when they do that, they're raked over the coals. The leadership gets upset with them. The meeting, everyone takes them to task. And this is why Republicans just say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna campaign like we're gonna be these strong, uh, you know, states' rights, limited government guys. And then they get into Washington. It's like, oh yeah, well, who cares about that? Who who wants some money? Who wants some money? Who wants a bailout? And so we spend six trillion dollars bailing out the economy that was shut down. Maybe too completely. Look, we don't know, and and uh, all life is precious. Every everyone that dies is a it's a tragedy. There's no doubt about this. Uh, but again, in 2009, when that virus, when that when that uh, flu, the swine flu, was sweeping through the United States, and it swept through the United States, it killed a lot of people. We didn't shut down the economy. If it was 2010, maybe we would have. Maybe Obama reacts differently because it's a midterm election year. However. It wasn't a presidential election year. If it was 2012, perhaps things would have been done differently. Perhaps Obama would have shut down the economy, would have shut down society, but maybe not because he would have been blamed for a bad economy. So, I mean, you've got all these dynamics working in this particular situation. I think that's where this is just a perfect storm for this entire process, whether it's the virus itself. And I think that one of the reasons that science, I think, has also led people to this very strange situation in humanity where, um, and maybe a lack of faith, all of these things, we think we're going to live forever. And I, I think that's that's where, you know, you have these nasty viruses and all this stuff. And it's horrible. I mean, nobody wants these things. Nobody wishes this on anybody. I don't wish this thing on my worst enemy. I watched personally my father go from not being able to breathe, and it's not a not a pleasant situation. Uh, and so you wouldn't want this for anybody. But we expect that we're all going to be healthy all the time. We're going to live forever. We're going to, and I think this is where we get into this. You know, maybe a hundred years ago with the with the with the uh, Spanish flu. And we didn't shut down. I mean, schools were shut down at times. Society did shut down in certain areas, but they didn't shut it down like this. And of course, it was a major disaster. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next six months, next year. How are, how are we going to recover? So the question then becomes, all that said, the question becomes, where do we go from here? And there are now governors, which is what they should be doing, talking about what can we do to reopen the states. In my own state, the governor was just on television yesterday saying she's forming a coronavirus reopening task force. She already has a task force. Now we're going to have another part of the task force look at how we're going to reopen the economy. We're going to look at all the proposals and everything else. We have Glenn Jacobs, who is the mayor of Knoxville. Of course, Glenn Jacobs um, is a libertarian. He is a, a big fan of, of Tom Woods. Uh, and um, he uh, really interesting guy. Of course, if you don't know who Glenn Jacobs is, he is the WWE superstar wrestler, Glenn Jacobs, who is now a political figure in, in Knoxville in Tennessee. But he actually submitted a proposal to the governor saying, look, this is what we should do in, in, uh, in our particular area. Our county is not, if our county can, the social distancing has worked, maybe we should do these things to try to take steps to try to get the economy back going again. If we keep it going, 
we're going to have problems. So this is a local response to a local issue. My particular county has less than 100 cases, actually less than 50 cases. So the question has become, why are we shutting down the entire economy? Now, just a couple of weeks ago, it was about six cases. So we've seen uh, about a, I mean, we've seen from six to now we, I think we have 30 in the last couple of weeks. But regardless, in a county of near 50,000 people, 30 people is not a lot. Even in situations where you have uh, larger outbreaks, you're still talking about in many places a small percentage of the entire population. This doesn't mean that you can't get it. We shouldn't be cautious and you shouldn't be social distancing and trying to do all you can to wash your hands. And I mean, maybe wearing a mask in public is a wise thing to do right now because this thing is rather contagious. So maybe those are some things we should be looking at doing to try to reopen the economy and get people back out and working again and earning a paycheck. How do you do that with the restaurants? How do you wear a mask in a restaurant? I mean, these the, the, the sector that's been hit hardest, of course, is the service sector. And so how do you get that part of the sector back open again when you're dealing with food service and all those things and people, you know, saliva and coughing because if you're eating, you can't wear a mask. So, I mean, how do we open that particular segment of society again? This is a big, big question. But regardless... It's something that now governors are starting to look at, and Trump's response was interesting, to say the least. Now, way back on this particular show, it was near the first 10 episodes, I talked about Trump and federalism. I cannot remember the number, but I said at that point, this was in 2016, I launched this podcast before Trump was elected in 2016. In fact, um, I basically launched it with a discussion of, I did launch it with a discussion of Donald Trump and what I thought of Trump. Because at that point, it was looking like Trump or Ted Cruz for the nomination. And one of the things I said is that Trump might be a more committed federalist than what we realize. And by federalist, I meant someone who didn't believe in supreme central power. Now, is Trump a committed Federalist? Well, heck no. So at that point, I said he might be, maybe, because he had some, again, this is where rhetoric and action, I didn't necessarily think he was going to be, but I said he might be, maybe, because he said things like, we'll look into it, that's something we have to consider. He said some things that were very much in line with maybe supporting a little more Federalism on some issues. Now, we know he hasn't. We know Trump has been downright awful on some things. And this particular response is indicative of that. It's also his his language that he used after a block. And if you don't know what's happening, there's a block of may of, of governors, excuse me, in uh, basically the Northeast who are looking at reopening the economy and how they're going to do it. They're establishing task forces again. They're looking at well, maybe we can do this. Maybe we, this is exactly what governors should be doing. The problem again is politics. And I'm going to talk about how the politics are getting involved in this because it's a 2020 election cycle. The election of 2020 is messing everything up. And how we should be responding to this virus, I firmly believe that. Because everyone is scared. No one wants to be blamed for uh, a large number of deaths. No one wants to be blamed for a shutdown of the economy. No one wants to be blamed for anything. And so our responses 
so authoritarian because nobody wants the blame. But you've got states like Delaware, New Jersey, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut. All of these states are now saying, well, look, yeah, let's let's get together. And some people can, can stay through this. Can they form an interstate compact in this way? Well, certainly. I mean, it's not it's not a compact, a legal binding contract. Um, but it is, all right, If we'll, we'll do this, we'll do this together. This is how we're going to work some things out here so that we could actually open our economy again and get people back to work. This is what people want. I mean, the vacation has been nice for some people, but you know, people want, and, and you know, this is not a vacation, uh, our, our, our governor, this is not a vacation. Um, certainly, the, in the way people have looked at this, they've had some time off. Maybe you're working from home. People want to get back to a normal semblance of life, though. People want the routine. They don't want to be cooped up at home anymore. However, I did say that maybe this is an opportunity for some things. And I think people have generally grasped this opportunity to improve themselves or do something better for themselves or whatever the case may be. But people want some semblance of normal life. And I think that's why these governors are looking at it. And I think governors all over the United States are looking at this now. Of course, Trump has touted the fact that we have 50 state emergency declarations. That's not a good thing. And plus, we don't have emergency declaration power for the general government to begin with. Well, that just frees up federal resources. To do what? To spend $6 trillion and wreck the economy for the next 30 years? Because essentially, unless everyone else inflates their currency at the same pace as the United States, which is essentially what's been happening after the last 20 years, uh, we're in real trouble because of that. But if the, if the Brits keep doing it, if the euro keeps getting... If all these things happen, then the United States will be okay even though it inflates as a currency. I mean, I think this is the case overall. Um, this is where... And I say we'll be okay. No, I mean, look, we're going to see some real problems. But regardless, this is where we are. So let's talk about Trump's response in a second and get into that in a minute. And uh, I will talk about... What he, what this means for federalism, and what it means for the American presidency in just a minute. I'll see you in just uh, after the break. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy, but let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a PhD in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for twenty years. And I've seen college students get worse over time, the curriculum get worse, and students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first, it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up, it's free, and I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do, but I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum and uh, my family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum. That's why I designed the United States History 18, to 1865 and 1865 to the present. You've got enough material. You've got lesson plans. You've got uh, tests. You've got reading material. You've got reading seminars. 
You've got 36 weeks, if you take them, buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum. Or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise. But it's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism and political correctness. So sign up at mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Again, always free to enroll, and I'll see you there. All right, we're back talking about Donald Trump and his response to now Governor Cuomo of New York and other governors. And I think, again, this is politics. Look, almost all of the governors who have said they're going to get together and think about reopening the economy are Democrats. And so politics are playing a role in this. Trump doesn't want to be threatened by a bunch of Democrats to his authority. Right? You cannot threaten my authority to do things. And I think, again, if this was Republican governors, because, of course, the governor of my state said the exact same thing the very next day. Well, no response from the Trump administration. I think it's because some Republican governors pushed back and said, well, you really can't do this. But because Democrats did it first, and namely a New York Democrat, which is we're running the entire country for New York right now. I mean, let's just, let's just make this clear. The entire country is New York. The entire United States is New York. Trump's from New York. You've got his personal feud with Cuomo. You have Bloomberg, I mean, which fizzled out. But essentially, the entire United States is New York. And th this is the New York media. It's all about New York. It's New York-centered or L.A.-centered or whatever. We run the United States for a couple of urban centers in Washington, D.C., and that's it. And the rest of the United States really doesn't matter. And so the response to the coronavirus is also based in part, I think, because New York was hit so hard. So because Trump is from New York, well, this is his reaction to it. This is what we're going to do. Now, he has said things before. Well, not everywhere is New York. Not everywhere is like this. And I think he's made some statements that are realist statements that, you know, we don't need to treat everyone like New York. We don't need to treat everyone like Detroit, which is hitting hit hard. We don't need to treat everywhere like these major urban centers. Uh, but the entire shutdown has been part of that. So when governors go out, Democrats, and say, we're going to try to form some type of agreement on how we can open things back up again slowly within the next few weeks, this set off Trump's authoritarian radar. And I think that the presidency does this. Look, I mean, people have asked me, where can you do something about the president? Oh, I've done it many times. In fact, the entire course I've offered you gets into this, where this authoritarianism from the presidency comes from. Donald Trump is a symptom of the disease, but let's just talk about what he said. Trump said this, when somebody is the president of the United States, the authority is total. That's the way it's got to be. Trump claimed Monday during the White House briefing, saying there are numerous provisions that grant him the authority to order a state to reopen its economy. This is simply not true. ABC News says the White House has yet to elaborate on which provisions the president was citing, but the president would find himself up against the limits of the U.S. Constitution should he seek to follow through on his threat. Now, this is amazing. All this is just amazing to me. ABC News then continues. The Tenth Amendment to the Constitution states the power is not dele delegated to the United States by the Constitution or prohibited to by the states are reserved to the states respectfully or to the people. Even as Trump insisted the President of the United States calls the shots, he also qualified his preferences to work with the states. As to whether or not I'll use the power, we'll see. I would rather work with the states because I'd like going down to, local, to a local government. The 
The president's assertions come after he has for weeks sought to shift full responsibility on the shoulders of the governors and making decisions on closures for their states, resisting calls to issue a nationwide stay-at-home order at one time by citing the Constitution's delegation of power to the states. The very same constitutional principle he is now insisting he can overrule. Leave it up to the governors. The governors know what they're doing. They've been doing a good, a great job, Trump said on April 3rd. I like that from the standpoint of governing. I like that from the standpoint of even our Constitution. So here's Trump on April 3rd saying I mean, he's, he likes what the governors are doing. But again, it was a personal threat to Trump when, when Cuomo, Cuomo said, look, I, I'm, we're gonna, th- this has to do with politics. And of course, Trump, then NPR, states the next day, Trump has reversed course. The next day, the governors are responsible, Trump said Tuesday. They have to take charge. Still, he insisted the governors will be very, very respectful of the presidency. This is where we have this very strange love affair with the American presidency. As the people have pointed out, we don't have a king. We don't have a king. We don't have to love. We don't have to respect the presidency. There's nothing to respect. It's an elected office, just like your mayor. And so... You respect individuals, but when they do the wrong thing, the Constitution is paramount to everything. The Constitution is paramount to the presidency. It's, I mean, you take, and this is where, you know, we get into this idea, and we've had, of course, historically this week, you've had the assassination of Lincoln anniversary. You've had, of course, the surrender of Lee at Appomattox. And, of course, the charge is always Lee committed treason because he fought his country. He took an, he, he violated his oath. He, he didn't violate his oath. He took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States, which was being violated by the Lincoln administration. And so, in that way, he was actually upholding his oath. Trump said Tuesday he would be authorizing governors of each individual state, individual state to implement a reopening, and a very powerful reopening plan of their state at a time and in a matter as most appropriate. He would be authorizing. He doesn't have to authorize anything here. There's nothing to authorize for this particular situation. Governors have complete control. And this is where we get, and I, po- I put on Twitter, that feeling when uh, CNN and, of course, the governor of New York use one of Hamilton's few good quotes on federalism. Also that feeling when you know, just like Hamilton, they're going to forget about it in two weeks. Forget about it, as they would say. They're going to forget about it in two weeks. It'll be done. Over. ABC citing the 10th Amendment is absolutely, I mean, it's it stops you in your tracks. But of course, they're going to forget about this in, in two weeks because if something doesn't go their way, they're going to cite national supremacy. So Trump, of course, this is from uh, the, US, this, the British paper, the U.S. Sun. Donald Trump has slammed Democratic mutineers after nine governors united to build their own task force to plan the end of the coronavirus shutdown. Trump tweeted that he enjoyed a good old-fashioned mutiny Tuesday, hours after New York Governor Andrew Cuomo called Trump schizophrenic for claiming he had the authority to reopen states. Tell the Democrat governors that Mutiny on the Bounty was one of my all-time favorite movies, tweeted Trump. This is, again, Democrat governors. If they weren't Democrats, Trump would not have responded this way. A good old-fashioned mutiny every now and then is an exciting and invigorating thing to watch, especially when the mutineers need so much from the captain. Too easy. Cuomo and eight other state leaders launched two coronavirus reopening task force on Monday, hours after Trump said he had total authority to say when states should open. 
During his coronavirus briefing Tuesday morning, the New York governor directly addressed Trump's comments. Cuomo made it known he has no intentions to fight despite the president spoiling for one. The president is clearly spoiling for a fight on this issue. The worst thing we can do in all of this is start with political division and start with partisanship, he said. I look forward to working with the president, but he has no fight here. I won't let it happen. If he wants to fight with me, he's not going to get it. So I think Cuomo was being very adult-like here and saying, I mean, we're just going to do what we're going to do. Hey, we just ignored the presidency. We're going to work with him, but I mean, we just ignored him. The president can say whatever he wants, but we're going to ignore this. Six Northeastern Democratic governors from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Delaware launched one pact, while leaders from California, Washington, Oregon launched another. Now, Delaware, I would say, is not Northeastern. I mean, I, I know it's considered that now, but it's really not a Northeastern state. It's a Mid-Atlantic state, an Upper South state in reality. Cuomo said any plans to reopen must be driven by data and experts, not opinion in politics. I don't believe we wind up with a fully common strategy, he said. You have different states and different positions. I mean, look, again, Cuomo as a governor being very much driven by federalism here. He realizes that Delaware is not New York. Pennsylvania is not New York. Massachusetts is is not Rhode Island. I mean, so each state has the ability to respond to it in the way they think is best. And we can look at this different state responses and say, this one's good, this one's not good. I mean, this is what federalism is all about. And I want to get to the quote that was used, and then the Hamilton quote. Washington Governor Jay Inslee announced the partnership with California Governor Gavin Newsom and Oregon Governor Kate Brown. Gavin Newsom has actually been on record saying that California is a nation state. A nation state. Who would have thought? And, I, and Michael Bolden of the 10th Amendment Center, I'd ne- he said, I never thought we'd see this in my lifetime. A, a governor actually saying they have a nation state. This is big, right? I mean, people are actually talking about decentralization in ways that were unheard of just a few years ago. And that's because Trump is president, right? So you've got Gavin Newsom as a Democrat not liking the Trump administration. This is this is giving credence to this Cal exit entire situation. I mean, I love it. I love it. This is the stuff we should be talking about. Maybe, and I've said this before on this podcast, this thing has accelerated interest in federalism and decentralization in the 10th Amendment. Obviously, even ABC News is now talking about the 10th Amendment. Cuomo's New York has been hit harder by the coronavirus than any other state with nearly 200,000 cases and 10,000 deaths. The reality is the virus doesn't care about state borders and our response shouldn't either. Governor Gina Raimondo of Rhode Island said, according to the New York Times. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy added that we cannot act on our own. We must be smart and tactical in how our region comes out of this or else we'll be right back to square one. Again, region. This goes back to uh, 1930. Uh, And the, (laughs) the idea of regional governments. This is what the agrarians were arguing for, for regional governments. Maybe we need regional responses to these things, not one-size-fits-all, top-down nationalism. I mean, I think the question now, is nationalism the effective way to look at this particular coronavirus, or should it have been regional or local to begin with? If you've got a county with less than 10 cases, You isolate those people, you keep them away, and you keep out the outsiders, and you probably wrap up coronavirus within a month. It's done in your particular county. You keep stuff out. You wash your hands. You do things that you can do. 
All this, though, as we've talked about, could come down to shutting stuff down. I had somebody email me from Australia, and they said, look, we went ahead with this way before. We shut everything down from the borders. We closed it all off. New Zealand did the exact same thing, and guess what? They didn't have the same type of problems that the United States has. The local response has been the strongest response to be isolationist in that way, to shut it down. And that, I think, is going to be the great benefit overall. People are talking about, maybe we need to actually produce more products that we need here in the United States. Personal protective equipment, medical equipment, medicines. We can't even make aspirin in the United States anymore. We can't even make aspirin in the United States. Maybe we need these things made and manufactured in the United States. If people want to point to why Trump won, and I'm going to get into this in a future, the next episode, in fact. Trump won because of that particular message, a blue-collar, pro-American message. We need to produce these things here. We need to be less dependent on the world and more dependent on ourselves. Peace continues. However, acting on their own is not an option, according to Trump. It is the decision of the president for many good reasons, he tweeted. With that being said, the administration and I are working closely with the governors, and this will continue. It's not the decision for the president. There's no authority here. There's no constitutional, legal authority for the president to do any of this stuff. This is exactly what Trump believes. And why? Because of the Lincolnian myth of the United States. Lincoln... The Lincolnian myth, or the F. And I said, look, I, I talked about Trump as the next FDR. Trump is acting very much like Franklin Roosevelt. Now, if Trump was a Democrat and he was saying these things, I almost guarantee you there wouldn't be as much pushback. Again, politics matter. There'd be pushback from people like me because Trump doesn't have this kind of authority. Just a day before, Trump asserted the U.S. president has total authority to rule the states and their COVID 19 lockdowns. But Cuomo pushed back against his schizophrenic plan, saying that he wouldn't reopen a state under Trump's orders. If you ordered me to reopen in a way that would endanger people, I wouldn't do it, he said. Cuomo appeared to give a lesson on the interconnected functions of federal and state governments at his daily coronavirus press briefing on Tuesday. He quoted former U.S. President... (laughs) This is hilarious. The U.S. son thinks that President Alexander Hamilton is president. Well, of course he wasn't, but why not? I mean, everyone follows Hamilton. The quoted former U.S. President Alexander Hamilton, who said states' decision on local matters should supersede those of the federal government. I don't even know where to begin with this. This is in the news, right? This is a British paper, but still... Quoted former U.S. President Alexander Hamilton who said state's decision on local matters should supersede those of the federal government. Hamilton said nothing of the kind. In fact, uh, I mean, this particular quote is absolutely hilarious. Quote, the state governments possess inherent advantages which will ever give them an influence and ascendancy over the national government and will forever preclude the possibility of federal encroachments. That their liberties indeed can be subverted by the federal head is repugnant to every rule of political calculation. Now, that is a wonderful Hamilton quote. There's no doubt about it. But Hamilton was never a U.S. president, and Hamilton didn't believe any of this. In fact, I mean, he was lying through his teeth to get the Constitution ratified so that he could go and do exactly what he wanted to do as what he considered himself a de facto prime minister. If you want my take on Hamilton, you got to get my book, How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, and the corresponding course that goes along with it at McClanahan Academy. 
look, you can get the book now for a bargain. I mean, it's all over the place now. For Some people are getting it for three, three to five bucks. I mean, it's a great book and a bargain. He called Trump's comments on the U.S. president having total authority inaccurate, saying that is not an accurate statement in my opinion. This is Cuomo. The federal-state relationship is essential to our democracy. There are laws and there are facts, even this wild political environment. When asked about Trump's comments, Cuomo said, according to NBC, I would say, let's see what the federal government plan is. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont said, we can put together a system that allows our people to get back to work. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and Delaware Governor John Carney are also part of the task force. A total of 570,000 people in the U.S., et cetera, et cetera, have been infected with the coronavirus. Governor Cuomo said that reopening must be done carefully and gradually. You'll start, to reop- you'll start to open the valve on the economic activity, and you'll turn that valve very slowly, reopening the economy more essential workers. Do it carefully, do it slowly, and do it intelligently, he said, according to Bloomberg News. New York State's 671 deaths on Sunday marked its first time in a week that its daily total dropped below 700. The virus is very good at what it does. It's a killer, Governor Cuomo said Monday. U.S. infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci has said, that parts of the country could gradually open as early as next month. So what the governor should be doing is looking at reopening the economy. They should be looking at looking at their states and saying, hey, just like the undertaker has said, we need to look at opening local. If we got it under control, let's open up our local economies. Let's do this with a scalpel rather than a chainsaw. Let's do this effectively. Let's talk about social distancing, maybe masks or whatever we have to do to try to keep people safe. Let's do those things, but let's not destroy the entire fabric of the of the economy for this. So governors should be taking a firm hand, just as Cuomo did. I mean, look, we're going to do this. On the West Coast, and again, politics, the Republican governors are being less likely because they don't want to oppose Trump. And this is, again, politics are dangerous on this. But every governor should be saying, look, we're going to talk about our state. We're going to look at local governments. We're going to look at how we can do these things. And that is the most effective response. This is a federalism issue. It always has been a federalism federalism issue, no matter what the president says, no matter what he believes. This comes down to state and local action. This is a think locally, act locally moment. And we are seeing a beautiful renaissance, albeit perhaps short-lived, because I think at the end of the day, this is going to be short-lived. But we're seeing a beautiful response from the uh, governors and federalism. People are really thinking about these things and maybe thinking more about decentralization. When ABC News is citing the 10th Amendment, Something beautiful is happening. Now, again, they'll probably forget about it in two weeks, but hey, we've got this particular time. All right. That's my position on Trump and authority. If you want to know where that authority comes from, take my class on the American presidents. I get into it in detail. Read my nine presidents who screwed up America, which is part of that. I've talked about the president a lot, and I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.